Welcome to The Story Tinker, a place for in-depth analysis of stories, including Midnight Poppyland, Purple Hyacinth, and more. Co-hosted by sharp, witty, and dare I say, thirsty fans, we dive deep into every episode, analyzing character, relationship development, and plot theories. You can follow The Story Tinker on all podcast platforms and videos of most episodes on YouTube. You can also follow The Story Tinker on Instagram and Facebook. If you'd like weekly bonus content, sneak peeks, and more, you can support The Story Tinker on Patreon. Thanks for listening to The Story Tinker, and let's get started. Okay, everyone, and welcome to episode 23, Aftermath Anger. Totally appropriate. So we have, we start off with um, what we had last episode was um, Lorian's extremely unfit reaction. She, you know, shoves the picture in Ansel's face and almost gets them caught by the APD, literally with like a second to spare, not even. And Kieran is, has you know slammed her over his shoulder and is hopping around from rooftop to rooftop he's a blur trying to get them out of there as fast as he possibly can and the expression on his face now is it's like a little resigned and like thoughtful you can tell he's a obviously still upset but be thinking intensely and pissed off sorry excuse my language and lauren still over her shoulder has this dead expression on her face she's seems to be unreactive and not resisting anymore like the wind is flying you know she's being pulled backwards and we have these dark lines above her above and below her eyes and she just looks dead and finally there's you know an image of very beautiful imagery as usual there's the street life there's cobblestones there's really nice stone buildings Kieran splashes down into a puddle dumps her down on the floor and, you know, she kind of, it looks like she isn't, doesn't even have a stable landing. Like she isn't even, doesn't even have enough strength to, or energy or will to keep upright. She lands a little bit sideways and just collapses against the wall. Kieran is extremely angry. He's thumping, you know, he like throws, it looks like he throws something down on the floor, um, some outfit or something, and his hat, I guess. And he um snatches off his mask around from his face and says what the hell was that completely livid his face is dark eyes are wide open he you know slams his hand across for emphasis and his he splashes some something in the puddle and he says have you gone completely mad but Lauren's reaction is nothing she's still staring down at the floor completely unresponsive to him, eyes wide open, her head is still clearly in what she saw. And she, we see it in the image. Sorry, go ahead. One of the first times we've seen Kieran so upset. Like, we haven't seen him, he's been upset, but he hasn't been this mad before. It's really scary. Mm -hmm. But he has a right to be mad. Like, I'm on his side for sure. I'm kind of on his side until later in the episode where I'm like my dude stop it which is like oh I don't think you can really justify what he does later on in the episode Mm -hmm. like it's anger very typical by the way like when people fight you know there's they both fight they both fight they have justified things and then they just get to the point where they're mad at each other and they say personal things to wound each other and then it's just like that's that's too much but it's it's fairly I think very human um, it's not really I, that it's more we'll get to it we'll yeah. get to it when it comes up but um something that just captures me in this 
episode is the setting. And I know Bundan talks about this a lot whenever this episode comes up. But the setting is so realistic. It feels wet. It feels damp. It feels old all at the same time. And the rendering is just fantastic. It's one of the few episodes I regret missing. I wish I could have seen it come to life. Today, like, when I look back, this one is still stands out to me. Like, you can see that Soph really took a lot of time and put a lot of passion into this episode to give us the feeling that we need to understand what's going on. We're mentioning before Kieran's anger that we've never seen him so angry. And it, it's true because Kieran usually masks his true emotions. He's always flippant and sarcastic and funny and, you know, just making jokes all the time. And this is where he's being authentic. Like he's actually expressing his real feelings. <laughs> it's like, it's expressing how, like, how fragile Loon is. Mm-hmm. Yes. Definitely. Well, one mistake is enough to send them tumbling. And how the lack of communication between the two, which we always noticed was an issue, is just constantly going to be an issue and going to get worse and worse and worse because they both have secrets and they both have things they're not telling each other and they're pretty significant and they will not be able to work together unless they learn to break down those walls and trust each other enough to share that. So she's still flashing back. She's completely not even responsive to him. She's still remembering in her mind the thing that she saw in his notebook. And we just get a close-up of her eye. She's still completely shocked, wide open, you know, still engrossed in that. Kieran sees that she's not responding. And he just screams again. And he's, hey, he gets even angrier. It's like she's completely ignoring him. Doesn't understand the gravity of the situation. And he grabs her and slams her against the wall. Her hand and he pulls down her mask and slams her again. He says, Look at me. And he shoves his face in her face. And I mean, it's a beautiful image. It's so poignant. She's not even looking at him. She's still in her world and he's trying to get her to focus on him and to respond to him. That wasn't very COVID safe of you, Kieran. Yeah, he, yeah, why would you pulling down the mats and then getting in six feet apart? Well, this is a long time ago, people, so. He, um, oh, no, no. Ardhollis may be based off the Victorian era, but there does seem to be some good gender equality going on, seeing how Lauren and Kim and Grace are all police officers and are allowed to be freely and no one's judging them for it because of their gender. Um, Kieran <laughs> doesn't have a... Kieran has no right to get physically aggressive with Lauren in this scene. Yes, he's mad, but being mad at someone does not give you a free pass to get physical when they don't want to... When, like, in to invade their personal space, especially when they're being unresponsive. Like, yeah. my dude, take a step back before I pummel you. Like, if you if you notice, like, I don't know if you're a movie watcher or, like, a TV watcher, but you see, like, between a lot of, like, rivals or fighters, they don't ever touch each other. They just kind of, like, get up in each other's faces, but they never 
touch because it's like an equal thing going on you know you don't because like he's deterring the balance because he's showing that he has more power over her I don't think he's doing I don't think it's deliberately to show power I think it's he wants to get her attention and yeah I mean they both made bad decisions she almost got them killed or apprehended and he's you know shoving her against a wall well so, I only say that based on like the entire the episode he can't move he's holding her arms I think I wouldn't say like this panel the one where he says look at me I understand in that one he's very angry and he just wants to know what's going on so he's trying to figure it out and then like I think we should keep going because then I can say the rest that I want to say. <laughs> so he asks her, and we have a close-up of him just looking extremely upset. Was any of that even relevant to the case or was everything before just empty talk? If you already want to ruin this, and here it's interesting because you kind of get a glimpse. Is he thinking, sounds like he's thinking that maybe Lauren's doing some kind of, you know, um, fake out because he's, at, you know, suspicious if she even was taking any of this seriously and if she wanted to ruin this deliberately. So, which tells me that he's been untrusting and he doesn't completely trust her either, just like she was untrusting of him and thinking, you know, is he going to betray me? Is he going to um, stab me back? Like, why am I doing this? He also is nervous about his partnership with her and uncertain if she is genuine. Honestly, it makes sense because for both of them it's a big risk because Lauren could get in so much trouble for working with someone also for and like for, for Kieran he could be like arrested lifetime and most likely killed for this even though the death penalty was abolished I'm pretty sure I'm sure they'd make an excuse for him it's a risk for both of them so it makes sense they wouldn't trust each other also for all he knows she just set him up to be arrested right? I mean, maybe she was dragging, for, he think, might think she's been dragging it out so that the APD could come in and arrest them, that she was just a setup and working with APD all this time. Yeah, that is plausible because their, their partnership is still so fresh and new. It's like, you don't really, you don't know. Mm-hmm. And you don't know if Karen's been betrayed many times in the past like that before. He obviously has friends outside of the phantom says so who says that he hasn't made friends with other police officers who betrayed him but now his look gets shocked and he opens his eyes because he sees lauren's expression and lauren's expression like when i first saw this i thought it was so beautifully drawn and she just is like we said but i said before she looks dead she just looks dead you could tell that she you know what usually when someone has that kind of emotional outburst at you you get anxious you get nervous you get angry whatever but she is just still completely catatonic not responsive whatever shock she saw in that picture is greater than whatever emotional outburst kieran is having now i really like that he saw her and just kind of like pull back and then like you see the karen that we've slowly started to learn about it's just like he didn't mean to get angry and he doesn't want to be handy but it's like this is all very new to them and you know they're both human they're gonna react this way Mm -hmm. doesn't excuse it though no it does not and i and this episode is like a trigger for like all everything else in the series like the 20s are just sparks one after another you Mm -hmm. know that just continue the story warning after warning Mm mm-hmm So finally, Lauren does respond. She turns away 
doesn't look at him in the eye and says, get off me. But she doesn't even, with no emotional affect, she's just monotone, flat, not, you know, not upset, not, uh, not upset. She's beyond that. She just says, get off me. And he releases her hand. And then he says, like, it seems like he's a little quieter now. He says, what happened in there? What did you see? So he seems like he's calmed down because he recognizes that Lauren is completely distraught. And he's also not looking at her a little uncomfortable. And she just doesn't, again, doesn't respond. She just says, I said, get off. And, and you know, honestly, my favorite moment in the entire chapter, even though like Karen should have been, shouldn't have done that in the first place. It annoys me the fact that he didn't get totally off him for the first time she said it. Emma, that's my line. Oh. <laughs> there you go. We've talked about this before, I think. Yeah. Yeah, is he grabbing her collar or her arm still? Which one? I don't know. Probably. I thought it was her And he's just really close to her in proximity. Because yeah, I remember right. I remember realizing this during a reread, and I remember bringing it up to like fan theories and it's the first time we ever really thought about it and just made me feel sick because it's moments like these that the fandom likes to brush over and you know kind of pretend like this didn't happen but it did happen and I don't care if Kieran's playing a persona or not or if he's playing a character I don't care if he's angry she told him to get off and not only did he failed to listen the first time. She had to tell him twice. Having to tell him once is unacceptable. So I don't see it that way because first of all, I don't think, I think the second get off, I think it's just more like get away. She just said it because we don't see him holding onto her at all. Okay, afterwards. wait. So he lets go of her arm. His other hand is on the wall. So he lets go of her arm, but his hand is still on the wall. So he's not grabbing her when she says, get off. I think it's because he is so close. And that can be even worse than being held onto. I'm not sure if you guys have had anyone up in your face before, but it can be really irritating. Well, and I, I honestly, okay, I think what date. she did to him was worse. With the, that she almost got him caught. And yeah, lifelong, you know, I mean, lifelong jail, death, whatever. So... I'm not saying it's justified, but I think it's understandable. And the fact that, you know, he's a person who has had to be physically intimidating in all his life, that's understandable that that would be his first go-to reaction. I understand both sides. Karen fought, you know, he's obviously fighting so hard, whatever he's fighting for, it's, it was all at risk at that very moment when those police were at the door and he saved Lauren. You know, she never, I don't, I don't even know if she thinks it, but um, I don't approve of him grabbing her like that. Like he could have just been in her vicinity. I don't really like why he has to be so hands on, but I get like why he's so angry and it's justified. Yeah, his anger is justified, but getting physical is not. He should know it's human decency not to get into someone's face like that I'm wondering if Lauren shouldn't have to tell him to get off Lauren shouldn't have to tell him to get off her because he shouldn't have been on her in the first place I mean we're dealing with such high expectations of an assassin (laughs) (laughs) well like I'm sure other people have treated him the exact same way so it's like that's oh man 
I think also, I mean, obviously yeah, exactly. he shouldn't have done it, but there's a lot of things people shouldn't be doing in this story. And that is the whole point of showing this is that where these are people who are, are dealing with huge issues and are making mistakes and are not their ideal self, because if they were their ideal self, it would be Pollyanna and it wouldn't be interesting. So, you know, where we're gripped by this because we see their foibles and we see their mistakes. So I think that makes I it a good story. apologize for this moment. Hmm? I don't remember. Does Kira never apologize for this? Oh, but she doesn't either. None of them. They, they just kind of like put it I under think the rug. I Lauren route. does. Does she say, wait. I think she does like, apologize for her actions. Yeah, but they don't really talk about the alleyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's good that she apologized for that. They're both very broken. Yeah. I'm sure Lauren would be also very handsy if Kieran did something like this that risked them like tremendously. Like Lauren is just that way. I mean, I don't know, like to me, it reminds me, you know, I've been married for like 11 years and I'm not physical with my husband. I mean, I'm physical with my husband, but I'm not, <laughs> I don't hit him, but except for fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he always jokes, like if he, he hit me the way that I hit him, like every time he makes a bad joke, I'm like, yo, Al, and I like slap him. He's like, if I did that to you every time, you know, like you would, I would be like called a domestic abuser. <laughs> like, just because I'm six foot four, it doesn't mean you guys hit me all the time. Anyway, so, but I definitely, I know like whenever we argue, like I have said things that I, 1 million percent should not have said that was not justified that was just to be painful and just to be nasty so I mean uh, that's what happens when you're angry and you like want to make the other person feel bad so and the instant reaction to so like sometimes if someone says something and they walk away and you're like you grab for their arm like wait like it's just instant reaction and and for that for Kieran he just I don't approve of him slamming her against the wall rude lauren doesn't need any more concussions or brain damage (laughs) or pain (laughs) but i just wish that lauren was a little bit more communicative i think kieran would have been more lenient with her if she would have just spoke up a bit more Mm -hmm. and honestly the second that he saw her face he backs off and he like calms down because he understands that whatever she saw is is impacting her so much so I mean he's not completely heartless I guess and now I think he he's also pretty wise I think because he recognizes that she's not in a state to communicate and he just decides okay I have to you know there's no I'm not there's no point in talking to her anymore now so he just decides okay this is it and he says next time you plan on going off the rails Notify me in advance. <laughs> he turns around, doesn't look at her while he says this, and says, so I can kill you before you do us both in. Yeah, not looking Stops at her away. while he says that. Yeah. Uh, I think he really doesn't <laughs> really want to kill her. <laughs> and walks away just like, you know, still with a cloud over his face, frowning. Um, just like, basically, that look at his face is like, oh my God, I can't believe this just happened. That's how I spew it. And Lauren it's is so just, beautiful. The, oh my gosh every panel is so beautiful I really mm-hmm. love the lighting in these panels just the the dark alleyway lighting with kind of some beams coming through is gorgeous it's almost like 
It doesn't even need to be animated. It's already come to life. Oh, that's a beautiful line. <laughs> it is. It's gorgeous. Like the, the water and the light reflecting off of it. And really Lauren's hair. Colors. My favorite hairdo. This one. High bun. Yeah. High bun, but low spirits. She Messy is completely dejected. Yeah. This panel it, of her like leaning against the wall while she's sitting on the floor might be one of my favorite panels of her just because it captures like one of her different moods so well. Mm-hmm. And it's just so gorgeous. Yeah, she's just completely at this point. She can't even support herself. She's so emotionally distraught. She slides down. You can just see it. It's beautiful. Slides down against the wall, sits in this damp, damp cobblestones. And, you know, her head back up, just complete despair. You know, the hair like smushing against the wall, disregard for her physical, you know, clothing or hair or anything. And just, you know, puts her head in her hands, stretches her legs out and is overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. And the rendering in that panel is just stunning. Yeah. Yeah, and she basically, she, you know, leans back, <laughs> crushes the the piece of paper in her hand again, which is like, okay, if you're planning on retaining the integrity of that document in your hand, which we haven't <laughs> seen what it is, like scrunching it up a million times is not really going to do it. And then putting it close to the water. Right. <laughs> 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 Lauren doesn't think. I know she's she a detective, right? Like she knows you have to preserve your 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 papers. But <laughs> I mean that again, like her board is so like <laughs> obvious. <laughs> that oh my god, when I saw that, I was like, wow, really, Lauren, you place a lot of trust <laughs> in your uncle. <laughs> and anyone else in that house. Right. <laughs> exactly. And she's just flashing back to sticking it in Ansel's face and now it kind of seems like, I think when she says, she leans back, she puts her hand against her eyes and says, damn it. Do you think she's saying, damn it, like, damn it, Ansel, I didn't get information out of him or damn it, I messed up. I think it's, Possibly I both. messed up. Both. I know that information is valued a lot to her because she's been working so hard for it, but I think she also realized that she messed up and it's kind of both. Yeah. The first time I thought it was just like information, but then I was like, you know, Lauren just seems to realize her actions shortly after she does them. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yep. <laughs> so now we transition to her house. Um, beautiful starry sky. And she is in her pajamas looking at the aforementioned board and thinks to herself, I may have stumbled upon a crucial detail tonight. <laughs> yes, you did. I know it, even if I don't know what it means. It's him. I'm sure of it. And we're like, who is it? And we hear the door creak open and Uncle Tristan is there in his bathrobe. So cute. Looking all shady. Looking like a shady anime villain. I know. I was super suspicious of Uncle Tristan all along. And then now since we're later, now I'm like, oh, my shady Uncle Tristan. (laughs) Tristan is just one of those like, maybe. Oh, no, bad. No, good. (laughs) <laughs> yeah at this point in the story I was like oh no Uncle Tristan why are you in her room and Lauren why are you letting him see you you know with your board so yeah I was definitely sus of him at this point I'm pretty sure majority <laughs> of the people think Tristan is still the leader like <laughs> take a poll 
<laughs> I will not accept this Tristan slander in this Dude, household. if Tristan was a leader and then rereading PH, that would be crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel like if the leader ends up being someone that we already know, rereading and like catching like possible hints is going to be crazy. And sad. Page long after it's over. <laughs> he gives me like, besides Herman, he gives me like the only middle-aged dude who isn't Phantom Scythe. <laughs> yeah, he's just got like that normal white picket fence life. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Only he's the leader of an oppressive system. Right. So there's the board and Lauren looks at him and she's, you can still kind of see the deadness in her eyes. Like she doesn't seem as alive and alert as she normally does. And Tristan looks at her with concern and he's like, Lauren, it's very late. Shouldn't you be resting? It's like, yeah, you should be resting. We know that. <laughs> and he's like, yes, you're right, uncle. Doesn't turn around. I didn't even realize the time. Duh. And he puts his hand on her shoulder. He's like, are you all right, my dear? Oh, so sweet. Which previously I was like, is he trying to extract information from her? <laughs> trying to figure out what she's doing and investigating. Is he trying to look at the board? <laughs> right. And she just slides and she's like, oh, we had a pretty hectic day at work. I think I've been running on adrenaline since I got back. Don't worry, I'll sleep soon. Mm-hmm. God, we'd have so many like red words if we could see Lauren's eyes. <laughs> yep. We would. So many. Uh, and Tristan tells her, somehow I doubt you'll fall asleep standing in the middle of your room, of your office, brooding over the past. You're still obsessing about that boy, aren't you? Aw. So sad. I mean, if you think about it, really, it's been about 10 years, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's a very long time. So, I mean, and this seems to be like a theme where he says to her that, you know, this is time to move on. And she thinks to herself, she says, I have been, she thinks, I've been told so often to turn the page that it's become almost shameful for me to admit. And you see this set in her, in her mouth, like it's a bitter set. And I understand, you know, she is ashamed of her obsession and, but she still can't let it go. It's her biggest, it's her big struggle. She just can't let it go. And, you know, we're assuming that at the end, her obsession will be justified, that she will be, end up achieving something worthwhile whether or not it has it, it resolves her issue with Dylan or whether it's just, you know, taking down the PS, we, we as readers do support her in her obsession, but you can understand that everybody else thinks it's crazy and just unhealthy for her to obsess about her childhood friend from 10 years ago. I don't think this story is going to reward Lauren's obsession. No, mm-hmm. I don't because um, PH's theme is healing. That's what um, sophism said she said it's healing and lauren's obsession clearly the, isn't healing healing the meaning of the flower like, no um in like an interview or some like short thing she did with webtoon so said that the like main theme of purple hyacinth is healing and healing means moving on and being able to move past previous experiences if Purple Hyacinth wants to highlight the idea that healing is the best way to move forward and like you know then it means having to let go of the past and that's something that Lauren hasn't done so by awarding Lauren for her obsession PH would be contradicting its own ideals 
Yeah, I'm curious about that because, but the other hand, I do feel like there will be some kind of resolution of the phantom site being taken down. What do you think of that? Like, do you think that will happen? I think with the phantom site, it's going for not the terrorism, but the revolution at least needs to happen. Yeah, I don't so think the I don't know if the phantom site is, is going to go down. It will come back because, yes, you can take the phantom site away. But if the problems that led to the phantom scythe's rise still persist, then just another phantom scythe is going to come along the road someday. Right. So with the ancillary that I also think that that part will be starting to get worked on. I don't know if it'll be finished by the end of the series, but like something will be set in place where like, oh, you know, we're going to be doing these reforms and now these people are in charge and they're going to, you know, start making the changes. That's kind of what I assume will happen at the end also. Yeah, I think Phantom Scythe just needs a clean house and then just, like, transform back into this, like, Snapdragon, like, persona. What is the Snapdragon of what you are, I have no idea what you're talking about. you guys are 30 episodes early. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so maybe we'll just go get back into the episode. And he interested. It's just a flower. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, right. Which, by the way, is growing again in my garden. So but what what flower? The, wait, I have a question. Go ahead, sorry. What flower means new beginnings? Do you guys know? Probably some white flower. I like, feel like yeah. it was a white flower. That daisies, I think. Was it daisies? It was also no, an daisies. important thing. Daffodil, according to Google. <laughs> mm. I meant to bring it up when Foot uh, was talking about healing. Another thing that I wanted to mention is uh, even if the Phantom Scythe does go away, I think there's always going to be some type of group like that. And it happens to many, like, I think that it would, groups like that would keep coming up. Maybe not the same one, but like, they can't stop rebellions no matter how hard they try. Because there'll always be one group of people that, in my opinion at least, that will rebel against them. We also don't know if like the Phantom Scythe has branched out because when they mentioned the black market overseas and whatnot, what if there's more Phantom Scythe recruits all over the world? Like, and be, they don't even know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it would be more like local because the people who want to join Phantom Scythe would presumably be ones who are affected by, you know, Artolis and what they're fighting for. Right. What's worrisome is like when someone is contacting about weapons, usually more people get involved. And if it's happening overseas, obviously these people are being hired into the phantom sites or doing business in some way. So like they start learning about what's going on. And like, I feel like the phantom size, not like the revolution, but the phantom size is trying to do something much bigger than just changing some laws. We'll see. Um, by the way, did anyone notice that there appears to be magic in this world because Tristan's glasses are staying on with no side pieces? <laughs> his nose to his nose bridge. His nose is parched. To, it's perched up on his nose. Eh? Yeah, he is uh, a very good at balance. <laughs> in addition to you know his job, <laughs> so could have joined the circus. Or he's holding it like between his like eyes, you know, like. He's squinting a little just to hold it. <laughs> uh, I don't think that's physically possible, but okay. 
anyway, so he, he has this extremely worried look on his face and he says, Lauren, it's been 10 years. And Lauren thinks to herself, I'm still stuck in the same chapter of my life. And again, that bitter set to her, her mouth. He always worries, but I can't help it. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's rings so true when you know you shouldn't be doing something, but you still do it. Like me eating too much chocolate or, you know, any other bad habit that I have. It's like, she can't help it. She just keeps doing it. Hmm. And, you know, there's more, more shots of her board. And she just says, I can't. And Tristan's like, you need to get rid of this damn board. <laughs> Good advice. You should have done it a long time ago. And this is this part is very true. I would have, but I can't do it for you. It's up to you to find the strength to let go. And it kind of reminds me of um, like addicts or anytime you need to change anybody. If you want to change someone, you know, this is a well-known thing. You can't make anyone change. They have to want to change themselves. And it, what he's saying is true. She, he can't do it for her. Mm-hmm. Wise Uncle Tristan. <laughs> oh no. And he's like, the boy is dead, Lauren. And Lauren's just so sad. He has both his hands on her shoulders and she's not looking up and like she just can't. She can't accept it. I feel like part of her nose. But she's like, she that's why I think that's what part of her nose, but she still keeps going. I feel very, very bad for her. She looks so sad. I'm going to be mad if Tristan knows something like mm-hmm. I'm going to be so mad because then I have to put blame on him. Right. Yeah. I mean, when now the things he says now, if you interpret it in the, in a suspicious light, you're like, Oh, he's just trying to tell her to let go because you know, he's trying to get her to stop it. Cause he says like, if all these years and none of your ceaseless searches have uncovered any signs of life, it cannot be otherwise. So, you know, if he's like just carrying on Tristan, it's very sweet. If he's sus, it's like, oh man, yeah. And, but the look on his face, look at it. We must trust him. He has such mm-hmm. a concerned look on his face. He's like, how much more time will you waste running after corpses? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my God. It's so sad. It's like, I know uncle, but still, I still think about it sometimes. Major understatement of the century. <laughs> I we're like I just joined forces with an assassin and almost got us both arrested five minutes like five to two hours ago in pursuit of this but believe me I can see that all this leads to nowhere and then she just like decides to put on a show please stop worrying so much I'm fine I assure you she smiles pushes him away you should go to sleep and then I shall do the same yeah big fat liar (laughs) he's got like that face just like fine Mm, yeah can't do anything now and he says good night then sleep well he rumples her hair she smiles and he walks away in his cute bedroom slippers but then he kind of stops and he takes a look again and he's looking past her at the board which by the way looks so sus when I first saw this I was like oh sure and there's another close-up of him just looking at the board and then he closes the door so yeah I was that made me super suspicious of him Mm-hmm. What do y'all think now? <laughs> I think he's just curious. He wants to keep an eye on him. I think it's a red herring. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Making yeah. us sus of him and then ruining, <laughs> ruining it later. And Lawrence, you know, standing there, still scrumpling that, you know, the thing in her hand. Now she finally opens it up 
and she takes a look at it again. Now we don't see it. We're looking at it from the bottom, a really cool view from like the bottom. And we still don't see it. And she tacks it up to the board, all crumpled up. And we see it's an image. And she says, thanks. That night I realized, we see again, we're like being teased with it constantly. We don't see the content. We just see the, the top while she, you know, thumb it in. And she says, I had overlooked crucial details. And she thinks back to her running at the Aldale train station. And we see Dylan's hat. And she thinks what I assumed to be true about the past was wrong. And now we see a flashback to something. We don't know what this is yet. And we see some people yelling, detective Sinclair. And she's yelling, why won't you listen to me? So we know this is from when she was a detective. And she says, all I knew for certain. And then we have this image of this guy with gray hair and a big scar across his face. And we see that he's lying. We don't see the text, but we see that he's lying. And she, Lauren, again, thinking, she says, um, all I know for certain was that you deserved justice. And there's, again, the bottom of the picture. We don't see the picture. We just see a bottom, which is a set of wheels and um, of a carriage on cobblestone. And she, again, whatever I found in the end, I needed to know who did this to you. And now we finally see the picture. We see a, car a card and with a license plate, 559 AGM. And it says November 13th, blank, blank, 17. And that is the day of the Aldale train station bombing. We see somebody driving the car and we see this man that we just flashed back to with a big scar on his face is in the car. And we see a shadowy figure outside. And now we have again a close-up of the date to you know bring in. This is the down the bombing, a close-up of the guy. So this is the guy that she, you know, we see the flashback of. And then it says, you know, we see through the window Allendale. So you see it's in front of the train station. And again, the license plate, Y59 AGN. And then she thinks, but nothing prepared me for the truth. And that's that. <laughs> I'm just thinking this is probably told from the future, which means that. I assume she will learn something really big and just thinking back on this. Mm -hmm. She's probably going to survive. For everyone who thinks she's going to die because it's, okay, she's telling the listen. story. Yeah. yeah. The flashback, like the, the monologue of her future, just like, it makes me, I don't know, it, it doesn't feel foreboding, but it just feels sad because it's a Lauren that went through a lot that we don't even know yet. Yeah, and we don't, yeah, we don't know. We still don't know where we're up to 96. And we still don't know what the truth is. Nothing prepared me for the truth of who did this to you. So mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, we have some more knowledge, obviously, but I still don't know. which is amazing, by the way. I love how they can just string us along. <laughs> yeah, I'm always impressed with like, because it's a mystery, how much they can put in and how they build it up over so many episodes and just put in a clue here, a clue there, a clue there, and just keep us in the dark. Mm -hmm. While still rewarding us with a ton of like complex, personal, emotional stuff. Did you see the author's note? Yeah, let's see. Mother's note. Get you a girl who looks at you the way Lauren looks at Kieran. A dead empty murderous stare. 
the second top comment is angry Kieran is hot. <laughs> of course. I mean, he is though, like, as long as he doesn't hurt nobody. You can be angry just over there in your corner. I think for, for me, at least, it's because he's being authentic. You know, you can see this is something he really cares about. Like, you see his real feelings, as opposed to he's usually like, it's like being sarcastic. He's just putting up a show. So when you see somebody, you know, where their heart, that is alluring in a sense. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I would slap Kieran in this episode if I could. <laughs> he was slapping yeah. almost every time you saw him, so it's not anything new. <laughs> this episode and episode 52, the ones where just a little bit where I'm a bit extra and I want him to burn in hell. Just You're going to slap your son? How dare yeah. you? <laughs> he deserves it. Yeah, sometimes you got to slap your kids. Yeah. Sorry. I know. <laughs> no, that's child abuse. <laughs> what if they're adults and Kieran? who's also a murderer yeah Yeah. okay kieran has killed people and he's a full-grown adult okay i'm going to punch him into oblivion whereas if he was a kid i wouldn't (laughs) because he's a kid and i'm not down for child abuse today oh boy so what are your final thoughts on this episode it's a crucial episode that like we'll probably it ties a lot of stuff together and it's sort of an episode that reminds you of how Kieran and Lauren still don't have full trust mm-hmm. because like seeing us. how they work together like I don't know for me I forgot easily like how they don't still trust each other that much this episode's just a nice reminder of that everything mm-hmm. is so simple right now yeah, this episode warned us and we really didn't listen. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a sign of their dysfunction. Um, you know, it's kind of like building a building with a very shaky foundation. The building is destined to collapse and it has to be rebuilt with a healthy, strong foundation. Mm-hmm. I mean, their roles to begin with were pretty <laughs> shitty. <laughs> This is their first time teaming up with the enemy, so <laughs> we needed to learn some things. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's an amazing episode. To me, it really shows Lauren's, so somebody mentioned brokenness, um, that they're both broken. Yeah, Lauren is definitely broken. There's there's just this giant hole in her that causes her to react in completely unhealthy ways and dangerous ways. And this episode just really shows us that. And you know what? It's interesting because I didn't quite realize the extent of Lauren's recklessness until I started doing the podcast because I, I love Lauren. I love, love, love passionate people. I love people with missions and ambition and who are strong-minded and active I love Lauren's character. She's like, I, I just love that kind of person. And I didn't even notice her flaws. Um, I kind of have the similar thing. I also tend to rush into things without thinking them through. And um, I just, I thought it's, that's why I don't even I didn't notice her flaws till people started talking about it. I was like, oh my God, you're right. But so it's interesting that you can make a flawed character that we still love so much. 
Mm -hmm. I've like been really mad at Lauren for one episode and then like the next episode I'm like oh my god I love Lauren (laughs) (laughs) and then it's like oh you know what I actually relate to her a lot more than I thought I did previously (laughs) she's relatable and that's why she's so likable yeah yeah, it's like I think the I think uh the best thing to say here is like putting yourself in someone else's shoes and Karen and Lauren should do that for sure then they could understand like where both of their anger is coming from and then as well as like the readers like what would you do in that situation if you were Lauren yeah I mean if it haunted you for 10 years yeah you know there's um um uh, whatever, I'm not going to get it, but it's too complicated. So, <laughs> but basically she, yeah, she hasn't achieved closure. And I, I always wonder to myself if she hasn't achieved closure because the closure isn't there. Like if there really is something to be unraveled with Dylan's, um, with Dylan's death. I mean, there definitely is something to be unraveled with Dylan's death. I don't know if it will result in, in a live Dylan, but it'll result in information. But that's what kind of what I always wonder. It was like a principle that I was raised with is that, you know, you don't have something, if something is unresolved, it's because there's something you still need to resolve there. So I always wonder, to me, it's when I didn't notice my assumption was that Lauren was still obsessed with it because there was unfinished business and that she actually is going to uncover something that will be meaningful and that will allow her to eventually come to a resolution. So I don't think it'll be necessarily a, a live Dylan, but I think that there will be information that she uncovers that after a long, long period of more discovery and more shock and more overwhelming upheavals that eventually that will allow her to achieve closure because what she has now is basically nothing. I mean, unless, unless she chooses to accept that there's evil in this world and that people that you love can be torn away and that's that, but she isn't accepting it. It would definitely heal her survivor's guilt that she is struggling with all this time if whatever her answers that she gets it's going to help her realize that it wasn't her fault mm-hmm. yeah I mean it's crazy and I don't know if anyone has ever told her that probably because she doesn't even talk about her feelings she I don't think she walks around or has told anybody that she feels it's her fault so and even if they told her it wasn't her fault would she accept it I don't know probably not I'm sure that uh, Tristan has told her that multiple times because I know that he I'm sure that he knows and I think he's told her that and I don't mm-hmm. think he's listening yeah. needs therapy right as we said before everyone needs therapy <laughs> yeah I think it's going to be like Lauren has to just as Tristan has said it's got to be her that moves on so mm-hmm. when she sees it whatever the answers that she sees, hears, knows about in her heart, it's got to be like telling her that, telling herself that it's okay. It's not my fault. I can move on now. I would be very happy to see that moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely think it'll come like, you know, if Sophism said that's the point of pH, it'll be at the end. <laughs> Oh gosh, I don't want to think about that because like the whole when when uh, Soph released the whole uh, interview and people were talking about the healing thing, mm-hmm. automatically everyone was like, 
that means Kieran's gonna die. I was like, <laughs> no, please. Well, that doesn't mean here. I don't, I don't interpret it as that. I mean, maybe he will, but like I, I interpret it as coming healing with Dylan and with the guilt. <laughs> but whatever, I, everyone likes to to create as much pain as possible. <laughs> Just pile it on. <laughs> Sometimes death is the only healing. Oh. <laughs> no, no. Uh, okay, yeah. Let's end this episode now. I don't want to go down that lane of line of yeah, thought. Yeah, <laughs> good idea. Yeah. Well, thank you so, so much for coming on. This was great. There's a lot of lot in this episode. So thank you so much. Mm-hmm. It was fun. Yeah, it's one of my favorite episodes, honestly. Just the, with the lighting and just the content of it. I loved I love it. Yeah, the rendering in this episode. So good. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, all right. I will see you all later this week. Bye. Bye. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much to my current patrons, Susie, Lady Libris, Ali Cat, Lily, Jenny, Haley, One and Only Taco, Elizabeth, Maria, Molly, Veronica, Emily, Emily, Joe Rochelle, Dahlia, Saucy Tuggles, Meg, Anne Rose, Priya, and Alexa. Your support is much appreciated. Uh-huh.